Episode number 314, Shooting Talking Head and Testimony Videos, with Grant Murphy and Alex Kendrick. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. You might be listening to me on iTunes or watching me on YouTube. Either way, if you can make it to our YouTube channel, we would love for you to subscribe to our 1230 Media channel for all the latest podcast episodes and video training and content and resources that we put out. So you can just search 1230 Media on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. We would appreciate it. Today's show is brought to you by Church VoiceOver, and if you're looking for high-quality voiceovers for your video projects, you can check out my friend Joe Szymanski. Joe is a valued member of our team and voices many movies, kids and student games, custom projects, and more. You can check him out at churchvoiceover.com. On today's show, it's a family episode as I welcome Grant Murphy from our 1230 Media team. Grant is one of our video producers and has produced literally hundreds of videos for our worship media library and custom clients. And today we're going to be talking all about talking head and testimony videos. We're going to walk through some very basic things as well as some advanced tips and tricks for shooting those types of videos at your church. Uh, You might be a church media guy that is responsible for shooting all the talking head, uh, uh, church announcement videos or testimony or baptism videos, things like that for your church. So we're going to give you some tips and tricks on all of that today from uh, what gear to use to how to light your subject, uh, tips on audio recording, making your subject feel welcome, uh, how to choose screen talent, and more. It's all today on the show. Also on today's show, a veteran church media guy who went from serving on a church staff to producing feature films, Alex Kendrick will be here. You know Alex from the Kendrick Brothers movies, Fireproof, War Room, Courageous, Overcomer. Him and his brother Stephen have a new documentary hitting theaters this week called Show Me the Father. And when we talk about how to shoot and craft testimony videos, this is a powerful example of that uh, as the film showcases several fathers and their stories, kind of a talking head or testimony style documentary. So the film hits theaters September the 10th. Uh, That's this week, and we'll be talking with Alex about how they shot the documentary, what to expect from the film, how you can support it, and more. Well, I have a lot of traveling coming up. I'll be speaking this week at Experience Conference in Orlando. I'll also be at the Awana Child Discipleship Forum in Nashville and CFX, the Church Facilities Expo in Dallas later this month. Also, uh, I have Kids Matter, the Kids Matter Megacon Convention and SALT Conference, both in Nashville in October. So if you are at any of those events, 
uh, whether it be Experience Conference or the Awana Forum, CFX, MegaCon, or SALT. I would love to meet you. Uh, Feel free to come by our booth or drop us a line on our website. If you'll be around, you can email me, carl at 1230.media. I would love for you to uh, check out uh, my workshops uh, that I'll be uh, speaking at at these events, or I would love for you to just uh, come by and say, hey, I would love to meet you and see what God is doing at your church. So I would love to see you in Nashville or in Dallas here over the next few months. So be sure to let me know if you are one of those uh, and stop by. I'd love to say hey and meet you. All right, we'll jump right into my conversation with Grant Murphy right after this. Check this out. Hey guys, when it comes to producing media, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And while it's convenient to have a friend or someone from down the hall do your voiceover, so often the final result falls flat because let's face it, most people just aren't experienced in acting natural in front of a microphone. So here's a tip. Next time you need a quick VO, check out my friends at churchvoiceover.com a new site with a selection of talented, professional voiceover artists at ministry-friendly prices. Log on and see just how easy it is to pick your voice and get started. Mission-minded men, women, and even kids who are ready to team with you and create media that makes an impact. Check them out at churchvoiceover.com. That's churchvoiceover.com. Hey guys, today I welcome our very own Grant Murphy. Grant is an incredible video producer, editor, motion designer. He is one of our awesome video producers here at 1230 Media. Grant, thanks so much for hanging out, dude. Appreciate you. No, thank you so much for having me, man. Appreciate you. Dude, I have a cold today, so uh, hopefully my voice will hang in there and I won't send the COVID over to St. Louis to you. Yeah, well, we we appreciate that. I I forgot my mask, so uh, we'll have to get through it together. (laughs) That's right, buddy. Well, hey, before we get going, I just want to thank you. Uh, You've been with us for several years and... Man, I, I remember when I first uh, started our company. It was it was me for a while creating a lot of the video content, and then right. as we grew and and expanded and exploded, um, guys like you came on, uh, and you were one of the first, and you've given me a life back <laughs> and and time with my family and everything. So, awesome. uh, so man, thank you so much for all that you do for twelve thirty, and your work is amazing, and people can go online and and see that through our sample library and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Just want to thank you for your incredible work. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for letting me or trusted me to you know design and you know be creative with you, man. It's it's awesome to be working with you. Thank you so much, buddy. Well, as we get started, give me a little bit of your background. So uh, let's dive into to that. Give me a little bit, maybe your ministry background, and then how you got into video production. Yeah, so I've been. Uh, we I started going to church in 2012, baptized in 2014. So not a terribly long amount of time. I say that it's been almost 10 years we've been really involved in church, but I, I still feel like I have a ton to learn. So in the process of you know going to church and and kind of serving and you know finding a fit there, you know what can I do? What can, what can I do to help the church out? You know I started to f- slowly find that it's like I, I have these God given talents such as video production. Um, you know, working with woodworking, there's opportunities at the church to help build stuff. Um, and also being a part of the worship team, I play, you know, up drums and bass as well. So being able to use those passions to kind of get into the ministry world as, as far as, you know, helping the church or, you know, worship or doing video production, just, just kind of the, 
using those God-given talents, like I said, to, you know, help minister to people and just use my passions, you know, that's kind of how it all started. It was just a, a great blending of two things coming together. So you have a lot of skills in the motion design uh, arena, video editing, but you also do a ton of, of shooting. Uh, you yes. and your wife, um, you know, have a have a, um, a a company that that goes out and shoot stuff with clients, and uh, so d- give me a little bit of, about that, and uh, maybe some of your shooting experience, and and some of uh, just the opportunities that that God has given you over the last few years. Yeah, so yeah, we started our business in 2018. It's two five seven North is the name of our business. It's actually after Second Corinthians. It's the um, you know we live by faith, not by sight. Um, that's what our business is named off of because God has everything under control. We just can't be like, you know, let's jump into this and, you know, it should work as a calculated risk. We, we trust in God a hundred percent. So with that, we've been kind of going to business head first and kind of figuring stuff out as we go and then just work. You know, I always say God is like our, uh, our account manager because he's always sending us a new lead out of nowhere. So, you know, yeah. and it could be anything from, you know, a talking head. We work with um, franchise chains um, here in St. Louis as a barbershop. Um, we've done stuff for people that have worked with HGTV before, these massive three, four day long shoots. Um, we've done a lot of testimonials, talking heads kind of stuff, and they all differ from each other. They all have their own quirks and features. The talent is always a little different and everybody's needs and, and wants are different. And we just try to facilitate, navigate, you know, as far as how we can deliver on that. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of, uh, you know, tech guys listening, video guys at, at churches um, probably lean. Uh, and I just came off of a, a, of a church filmmaking conference. So film mm-hmm. church filmmakers are, 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 are definitely out there uh, yeah. making more content for churches. But I think the vast majority um, are probably on a day to day, weekly basis are probably doing a lot of testimony videos, interview sure. type styles, uh, telling stories of uh, life change in their church, announcement videos, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, in addition to uh, creating films or, or things like that. So let me ask you this question. How do I determine whether I should shoot videos by myself if I'm a, on staff at a church? How do I determine whether I should shoot that or sh- I should explore outsourcing that with at the risk of us both <laughs> sounding self-serving? Uh, <laughs> how, how do I determine right. that? Yeah, so... I'm always going to err on the side like you should just have us come out and let us deal with it because there's so many different variables as far as, you know, shooting and the time frame and the scheduling and just the editing process. But as far as like, you know, if you're capable of doing something like that, you know, we live in a generation where I call, you know, pocket filming. You can just plug your cell phone and you basically have just about everything you need. But it, it comes down to if you're a, a church or a brand that's, you know, looking to get a little more serious about stuff to have a consistent message. Um, having a more polished look is going to do some good in the long run. You know, there's a lot of content out there and there's a lot of fuzzy, out of focus, poorly lit video. And people see that and they're going to kind of going to move on if they can't hear or see what's going on. So I think it's worth the investment to, you know, put that into a good video production to kind of have that polished look. That way your message is coming across well, your your video is coming across well, there's less distractions, you know, so... I mean, that's part of the battle. Um, but, you know, if it's like a Facebook live kind of thing or if it's a last minute, like, hey, I just right. want to throw this thing up real <laughs> quick. Then I think, you know, doing it by yourself is perfectly fine. If it's a last minute, you can't seem to get the schedule down or, you know, it's, it's time sensitive. 
Facebook Live or something shot on your phone real quick as a quick update, I think that's great. If it's something a little bit more serious, then I would probably lean towards a video production group. I think you make a great point that uh, if you're doing little updates, Facebook Lives or even like morning devotionals or, right. uh, you know, th- things like that, a word from our pastor. Right. You know, we're so accepting of the iPhone video, the Zoom call. Oh, yeah. At this point, that 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 stuff doesn't matter. I'm right. yeah, I agree. I'm more talking about the you know well polished testimony video, the announcement video that needs to be right. well done for uh, that you know everybody's going to see that that sort of thing. So, all right. So if I'm going to shoot, so now let's let's um, let's just say that uh, I've determined that I'm going to shoot this piece on my own. All right. Okay. So I'm a I'm a video guy at a church. And I'm going to shoot my own testimony video, my own announcement video, my own even, uh, let's say, film, if that's the short film, if that's the case. All right. So uh, we'll we'll lean heavy on the talking head stuff, but uh, let's get into shooting tips for video. If If I'm going to shoot it on my own, let's get into some practical tips for how do I enhance those videos? How do I... Um, you know, what are some tips and tricks uh, along the way? So let, let's start, start with gear. Okay. What gear do I need to have in my <laughs> toolbox as I'm starting to move into more of those? Videos? Well, you're, you're talking to a video guy here. So I would say all of it. It's there's a thing called gear acquisition syndrome and, it, and it's real. It's called gas. Um, and, you know, you find you get the camera, then you got to have the lights then you got to have the, the mic stands and the tripods and the sliders and the, the Did drones. Did you say and you have gimbals. gas? Yeah, it's gear acquisition syndrome. You know, okay. all right. All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing. So you find yourself collecting all these cameras and stuff. But if you want to get on a basic, you know, foundation, a base foundation of what you need, you know, generally, if you're just starting out camera, tripod, microphone, but really more importantly is the willingness to learn because if you're just getting into this, you have to be able to want to learn and understand how everything kind of interacts with each other, the different variables of it. Then also some patience, you know, you're going to need some patience to deal with, you know, gear that doesn't always want to cooperate. Technologies can be kind of finicky sometime, sometimes. So having a little patience towards that as well, but you know, one light, you know, doesn't have to be anything expensive. You can go for two. If you really want to mess with it, a good camera, um, you know, they have a lot of point and shoots. They have a lot of mirrorless cameras. They have little DSLRs like the one behind me, I believe on this side, you know, so you can, there's a ton of different options. Um, you know, and then also some creativity, you know, having creativity is a big one. <laughs> is there, is there a starting camera that you would suggest? Um, oh boy, here we go. I could, <laughs> I could talk to we're blue in the face of this one. I, I think I'm a big fan of, a fan of Canon. Um, so any really DSLR mirrorless Canon has really good autofocus on their cameras, like super reliable. Um, so I have, we have a 6D, uh, DSLR and it does pretty well. Um, I'm a big fan of the Panasonic cameras. I have a GH4. It's time for an upgrade because it's several, several generations behind. Um, and then also the, what is that? The, uh, Sony a7s series. Those are a little bit more expensive, but those are also fantastic quality. I mean, these cameras are shooting 4k, 60 frames a second, you know, all, all the fancy uh, production terms and all that kind of stuff for a pretty good price. But, you know, if you're in a, in a bit of a budget, I think those DSLRs will get you get you started. Get, give me pr- give me price. Let's talk about that, because that it usually oh, boy. Comes down to that. So <laughs> give me a price range of how much minimum should I spend on a good 
uh, camera and then maybe my first pieces of my kit. So you can get uh, a full kit. If you go on like, uh, I, I'm a big fan of B&H. So, you know, B&H, you're getting a plug. B&H photo and video based out of New York. Um, they have a ton of different options. You can get bundles with SD cards, sometimes with microphones. They might, you know, they'll bundle, you know, depends what it is. But price-wise, you're probably looking at right around $2,000, um, $3,000. If you, you know, if you get a Canon camera with their L-series glass, which is the professional high-end glass. So it's very sharp, it's durable, it's waterproof. So if you have a lot of volunteers handling your equipment, having that more durable glass is going to help you in the long run because you can drop that stuff and don't drop it. Um, you can drop it and it'll just bounce off the ground and be perfectly fine. Um, don't ask me how I know that. Um, so you're looking at like 2,500 bucks for card, uh, the camera body itself, and then the lens, um, and then a couple extra accessories in there. So 25 to start. So if I budget three to four grand, that should be, that should get me started pretty good. You think for the camera, <laughs> just for okay. the camera. Yes. All right. So now let's get into the kit, uh, kit things. So sure. if I'm building my kit, give me what I need and then give me some, some price range. So if you're just starting out with one camera, you're going to need one tripod. Um, and those can range anywhere between a hundred dollars and $5,000 and probably much higher than that. So usually three, 400 bucks on a tripod will get you started. You can get the cheaper ones for like 80 bucks, but you'll soon find that they, once you get better at your craft, you'll soon find that they don't pan very well. They can kind of have a little wobble to them. So it might be worth it to, to invest in a somewhat decent tripod, you know, three, 400 bucks. You'll need microphones. I'm a big fan of shotgun microphones. Um, I have um, two wireless systems, so four body packs total. So I can record up to four people wirelessly at the same time. Um, that probably costs about $800. The gold standard for audio, wireless audio, is um, Sennheiser, the G4 body packs. Those are about $1,600 for two. <laughs> so you're getting four, you know, the transmitter and the receiver. Um, so you can record up to two people with those. Those are about $1,600. Um, shotgun microphones range a couple hundred dollars. You also need a computer. Um, I'm a PC guy. I know a lot of people are flinching out there. You know, <laughs> there it is. There it is. So I built my own PCs so I can have control over how, you know, because Adobe, I use Adobe Premiere and uh, Adobe After Effects, and they have kind of specific um, graphics cards that they use that they function better with. So I purposely built my computer for video editing. Um, for my computer set up with you know, two 24 inch monitors and, you know, all the high end gear, it's water cooled and all that kind of stuff. I think I spent like $4,500 on that. It's an eight core processor, um, 16 threads and all that kind of stuff. And it does hundred percent fine. So you can get a laptop. Um, if you don't want to get a desktop, you can get a laptop for about three, four grand. If you go with Apple, you're probably looking at four grand, um, PC about three grand. Um, and then other support gear, you know, if you want to get into sliders and the gimbals and all that kind of stuff, that'll be a several hundred dollars after that. Um, did I forget anything? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. So if you look, I mean, I, I know that we're talking about a, a lot of, of stuff right. and it, it could be overwhelming, but I think, uh, you know, if you're a pastor listening, if you're a church tech guy, I mean, think if, if you can scrounge up 10 or $15,000. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I know that, you know, for a church, small church, it might sound like a lot of money, but I would I would save up. I, I mean, I wouldn't, right. you know, I, I would get by with what you got, but then I would, I would definitely save up and do it. Right. Know? Do a car wash. Like let's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I would save up or budget, budget for it. Um, yes. 
All right. So that's gear. Let's get into lighting. Um, and so just so you guys know, we're going to be talking about kind of elementary stuff. We're also going to be talking about if you are a video guy at a church, some tips for you. So we're going to kind of jump in both of those, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, places. All right. So let's talk about lighting. If I'm shooting a talking head, uh, for let's say my announcement video or pastor Mm -hmm. update, something like that, give me some lighting tips. How should I light them? So the lighting is a, it's its own art in itself. You can do a lot of stuff with lighting. You can, you can invoke a certain mood or a certain tone with lighting. And it, it, it really is kind of shape shifting and how you want to project yourself on camera. So for a lot of like announcement videos or update videos, high key lighting, there's two different kinds of lighting. As far as I'm aware, there's high key and there's low key lighting. High key is like if you just went to a room and turn all the lights on and then you're perfectly exposed. The background as well exposed. There's little contrast between the background and yourself. That's high key lighting. You can get away with just walking into a room and not having really any light here and just turn on the lights and start shooting. Um, low key is kind of what you see, or you know, what I have here on my screen is more of a low key lighting. Um, you know, I'm in my basement here, so I, you know, I'm working with what I got. But there's a contrast on the two sides of my face. One side of my face is lit better than the other side. This is a little bit more shadowy. The background has a lot of contrast in it and separates itself. The lights you see in the background here, like this side, and then I have a little light behind my camera over here on this side. I'm trying to get the sides right. Um, those are called practical lights. Those just invoke a little bit more mood, um, make it feel a little bit more warm and less set-like, I guess. It, it just has a little bit more depth to it. Um, Low-key lighting is more for if you wanted to do a more intimate shoot. So if you're doing um, testimonials or anything like that about, you know, how somebody came to how somebody came to God or something that's a little bit more of a, you know, a story that's that has a little bit more dynamic to it. If you're just doing updates or announcements, I, you know, high key would be great. Um, and there's there's several different ways to light stuff. Um, and we can kind of get to that if you want. But yeah, hit um, me on that. maybe a basic three point or. Yeah, so. So yeah, there's three, there's three point lighting. There's two point lighting. You can get away with one lightest, which I have here. And that's called Rembrandt lighting. Um, he's an artist from way back in the day, Rembrandt. Somebody looked that up. Um, so I have one light on this side of me. Um, you can do two point lighting. So you can set your camera up and then you have one light to the right at 45 degrees and another light to the left at 45 degrees. It's a two point lighting. And then you can have a hair light, which is in the background and that'll shoot um, just at the back of somebody's head, and that will provide a little bit more separation and kind of cast a halo on the back of their head for a little bit more mm. separation. Um, you can do overhead lights. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of shoots where people have just have one big dome on top of somebody that just pours out a lot of light on them and just pretty much blacks out the uh, background. That's another way to do it as well. Um, so a few different ways. And you could do, you know, you could add lights in the back if you want to highlight a, you know, a prop or something like that as well. Okay. All right. So let's get into uh, audio. And mm-hmm. first, let me ask you this. Um, and we've, we've t- I've talked about this on the podcast some and through blogs and stuff. Bad audio mm-hmm. means a bad video. Would you agree? And t- talk to me about that. Uh, well, there's two parts of a video. You know, you could have bad video and I think you get away with bad quality video because you don't necessarily need to see what's going on unless somebody's demonstrating how a product works or you know something critical um, that you need to see but if the audio is bad you can't hear the message and we're here for the content you know if i can't hear the sermon 
you know, I was like, I'm going to tell you three ways how God can impact your life in half the time. It's, it's, yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. Like you're, you're losing out on an audience and you could be, you know, you, you can't really impact people. They can't hear what you're saying. So yeah, I, I think audio is more the important side of things than, than the video side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get into that. Um, how, how, give me some tips on how I should mic up my pastor. You said you're, you're more of a fan of a shotgun mic or boom mic. Right. Uh, right. over a lapel or lave, it, give me your reasoning there. So I use a less than expensive set because um, you know, I have two of them and, and they work pretty well for the most part. Um, but there have been times where the audio has cut out and then I have to be like, hey, you know, we had a technical glitch here. Let's just retake that part. You know, that takes time. You know, people get frustrated with that, especially if they're really trying to get a shot together. You know, if they're trying to put a script together and they're going, it's going well. And then the audio cuts out. I'm like, Hey, we got to redo that stuff. Normally I reshoot stuff twice anyway. Um, just if there's anything I, I didn't notice, I usually shoot um, stuff twice. Um, but for a pastor, you know, I'll throw on a lapel mic and it's always been pretty good. But if we're doing a lot of people, so a lot of testimonial videos where we'll have different people, you know, three, four, five people share their story. A boom mic is going to be way faster because they can just sit down and I don't have to get a mic on anybody. And plus clothing styles are a lot different, you know, between the new trends of clothing and, and whatnot these days. So trying to put a lapel mic on, um, you know, a woman's blouse or something that might be a little bit looser fabric or there's nowhere to put a mic on there. And then you have to put the battery, the, bat, the body pack somewhere that makes it kind of difficult. So the shotgun mic just kind of eliminates all that. And then I don't have to touch anybody either. I don't have to be in all somebody's shirt trying to put a mic in there and I'm breathing on their neck and stuff. You know, I want to try to avoid that and be efficient about it and not be touching everybody. So a shotgun mic is best. And it also almost guarantees no audio cut out unless the cable you know, is broken. But, you know, usually that has never been a problem. Good. Good points. Um, okay. Shooting. Let's get into shooting tips. Uh, should I record one angle? I know we talked about, uh, you know, getting your camera, but on on testimonies, on announcements, uh, give me the advantages, disadvantages of shooting one angle, two angles. Uh, uh, kind of walk me through that. Yeah. So with talking heads, um, especially for people that aren't used to being on camera, I, I think it's best to do two cameras because that gives you the flexibility of doing more seamless cuts. So they could tell one part of their story um, and then they could mess up or they could just go on for a long time through all the details. Some people are natural talkers, so they will want to tell you, it's like, well, I was at Target this one day. I think it's at three o'clock. I was in the third parking spot. You know, we need to cut all that out um, just to kind of get more to the point. You know, they have to go through their storytelling process in order to get everything out. Um, but with two cameras, it makes it a lot easier to cut back and forth between those more obvious cuts, you know, places where we have to cut out chunks or get more creative with how... You know, if they mess up or something and a, a weird part, we can kind of get away with that with a camera or two camera shoot. If you shoot one camera, my suggestion would be to shoot 4K if you have the capabilities. Yep. 4K, you, you can deliver in 1920 by 1080, which is full HD. Um, 4K is four times bigger than that. So you have a space this big, which, which you're delivering in, but 4K is this big. So you can shrink 4K down to fit that window that you're going to be putting online. And then if you want to blow it up to make somebody bigger without losing any loss, you can do that. And that almost replicates having two cameras. So you can digitally punch in and punch out during, your, you know, with your cuts without having any noticeable loss of quality. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Um, yes, you could shoot. I usually would shoot two takes a, as well so that mm -hmm. uh, uh, maybe not a testimony, but definitely sure. like an announcement video. 
um, shoot two takes. Uh, so you have the the 4K plus a different angle if you needed it. Right. Uh, exactly. So you have all that. Um, uh, uh, okay. Uh, that was a very, very good point. Um, are you a fan of, I'm probably a little bit more old school, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's a very specific YouTube style video. I am, and you alluded to this. I'm probably more of a fan of cutting to a different angle, cut it, uh-huh. punching in or covering the edit as opposed to the <laughs> head bob, uh, you know, cuts. I guess give we're both your, old. <laughs> give me your take on that. I guess we're both old, man, because I like our, I like my videos to have a seamless, like it was taken in one cut. We could have shot the thing six, seven, eight times, but it's going to look like it was shot once because how smooth the edits going back and forth, like you said, between cameras or punching in and out. Um, there has been a lot of, um, you know, tolerance with, you know, the cutting and then people look like they're moving like robots all the time. Um, again, there's tolerance for that, but that's not what professionals do. If you want a high-end product, then, you know, that's what we are here for. If you just want stuff cut all over the place and you sound like a robot at every every word, basically, then that's fine too. Um, but I'm not necessarily a fan of that. Um, yeah. You know, it works for YouTube, but maybe not for corporate video. I would agree with you. Okay. Uh, we talked about, um, uh, well, let's hit on this framing your shot. Um, mm-hmm. you, so if I'm shooting in 4K, I can get wider. Uh, and then punch in if I need to. Uh, but do you have any suggestions on framing? Should I definitely be head to toe? Should I be waist up uh, on announcements or testimonies? Walk me through that. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, so for your wide shot, you can probably get away with waist up. There's nothing really below the waist that we need to, unless it's a tap dancing tutorial or something like that, or, you know, this is how I came to Jesus through tap dancing. It's like, I guess we can show your feet. We can allow which, that. Which you've done and you've been the talent for, right? <laughs> yes, I'm I'm a world champion tap dancer, uh, 1999 through uh, never. Um, no, so <laughs> I do not have coordinated feet. Um, so having... Now I forgot what we're talking about. Um, so waist, waist up. So you're throwing me off here. So waist up is generally a good position to be in. I'm chest up. This is kind of a medium close. No close is going to be kind of pretty much your, your neck up to your head. This is more of a medium shot. And then I could get further back for a kind of a wider shot. Um, that's generally a good starting point. And then you can kind of punch in between your waist up and then your chest up would be yeah. a good starting point. But I rarely never shoot, especially when somebody's sitting down. I never shoot, you know, below the waist, especially if they're sitting down because there's nothing that we need to see. You know, if somebody's sitting down, there's really nothing happening. So it's just usually hands and, you know. And also a tip that I see a lot even today, um, even with professionals, is that headroom is extremely important and also lead room. So your headroom, yep. so your headroom is the top <laughs> of your head to the top of the frame. This is, this is a good amount of headroom right here. For a lot of churches, I know they have um, these big jumbo screens and stuff and these, you know, kind of, for lack of a better word, hodgepodge systems. So the video doesn't exactly translate to full 16.9. Some of them are, are a different aspect ratio. It could be 16.10 or 21 or, you know, something weird. So there's this thing called um, safety lines that goes around the box, basically a bounding box that does not go edge to edge. So I would recommend not having somebody's head here because when you get it on a church the church's video system, their head could be up here by the right. time the video is done. So definitely leave a lot of room, you know, leave a little bit more room than usual. And then you can always kind of punch in and adjust if needed. But this is the this is the proper amount of headroom that you want between the frame and um, your, your head. Also yeah. lead room. Um, there's a thing called rule thirds. If you want to frame your shot, let's say 
I, I rarely have people look into the camera unless it's an update or an announcement video. So if you're if you're talking about a testimonial video or doing a story about church, it's kind of an interview style. You want to have the person turn. The camera is here in front and you want to have somebody that you're looking at off the side of the camera and have a conversation with that person instead of looking at the camera. Yeah. And you're now, probably going to be there. You go. I was going to talk. Right. Or just keep so going. so we'll be here and you know, I'm trying to talk. You know, and get them trying to look at the camera and also look at the imaginary person over here to my left. So this is called the rule of thirds. I'm I'm in the third portion of the screen. You have one section, another section here, and another section over here. Right. Um, so that's the rule of thirds. You're basically cutting the screen in thirds, and you want to put your talent in that third position here. And this is also called lead room. So the amount of space between my face facing this way, that's your lead room. I've seen a lot of video people where they'll put their person on the wrong side of the third and their lead room, their nose is here, the frame's here. And that's, that's used in cinema to create tension and awkwardness. And then there could be something called a Dutch shot where the camera is actually turned sideways and you can have this, this very uncomfortable feeling. That when you have somebody right here on the edge of the frame, it creates a lot of weird, uncomfortable tensions because there's a lot of frame that's not being used. Um, and, and it's just a weird framing. So try to stick to yeah. the thirds, have a lot of lead room going this way, not this way um and then have that that headroom um adjusted correctly great point so i would say with the uh, i would say unless you are no cinematography unless you mm -hmm. really have been in it a while i would not experiment too much right with your lead room right i, I would wait until you have a little bit more uh, experience and kind of know okay i'm doing this on purpose for this specific reason i'm sure. creating tension in my edit or i'm whatever exactly uh, I would start with the following the rules yes. um, because that's pretty standard and you might get in trouble of uh, awkward edits, awkward frame, frame shots. It would, it might just come across awkward. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. Also the lead room uh, or the, uh, the, you were mentioning the, the, the headroom. I think that really applies in live production also uh, where, uh, and you, you mentioned this where, Sometimes the safety lines on the camera doesn't necessarily translate to the screen. So I right. might need to leave a little bit more headroom in my camera, knowing mm -hmm. that when it translates, the, the headroom is going to be correct. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. you know, d d you might you might play with that in your room or it m it's less the case with your camera shooting it um, in a in a an announcement video kind of setting. Uh, mm -hmm. When you agree, I would say your DSLR in a closed setting is going right. to be correct. Yes. Live environment translating to the screen in the room might be. Right. Yeah. I mean, well. well, yeah. So you're saying, you know, if you just, so you're saying shoot a video on a DSLR camera and then you can pump it out to the, you know, to the, um, to the sanctuary or, you know, the, the worship center. Um, <sighs> Yeah, and then you can have a plan of screens, but yeah, I'm more saying like if I'm shooting a pre-produced video, mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about that as much. In fact, you know, if I need to give more headroom so that in the edit I can I can adjust that in right. post production, whereas in the live environment you can't. So it's right. because it's live. So well, adjust the, accordingly. Yeah, it's it's more of an adjustment thing, and every every worship center is going to be different in how they have their systems set up. So I found with our church that there is a little bit. There's about 10% more uh, frame that's cut off on our video monitors. So when I, when I'm in my editing 
system, yeah. I have to leave about 10% more room on the headroom because the guidelines in my editing system and in my cameras are mm. correct. But when I put it on their system, it kind of crops it in just a little bit more. So I could have my headroom right. You know, I could be kind of tight like this. But then the worship center is going to be like this, you know, so right. there, I've had to kind of play with that. It's like, OK, I need to pull back a little bit more. Um, and you can kind of, you know, you can see if the church will allow you, you can throw it on the, their monitors and you can see like how's our headroom and then kind of adjust from there. But again, every system is different. You could be working with SD systems, you know, that might have a weird crop to it um, right. or just an, an odd ratio. So but it differs. Okay, let's roll back to testimony style videos. So if I'm bringing a talent in to sit down and they're going to share their story, give mm-hmm. me some some tips on on this. Are there tricks that you have like uh, record hitting record early, covering the record light with a piece of tape, like th- things like that, <laughs> are, uh, making them feel comfortable? Are there things like that, tricks of the trade that you use? Um, the, the majority of the tricks that I use are not really tricks. It's just being human, you know, making somebody feel comfortable because anybody that's, you know, if we're using somebody out of the congregation or maybe a talent that's not used to being on camera, they're going to be a little nervous. Uh, you know, they, they've kind of did the, the, the prep in the mirror, you know, they're trying to get ready. So, you know, they want to do a good job, you know, so, but they're, they're nervous. They see all the lights and the cameras and the, the microphones and the props and all the weird gear, the movement, the cables, there's a lot of stuff that they haven't probably seen before. So they're going to be nervous. So what I do, and I'm used to working um, by myself, a lot of the jobs that I've had, uh, you know, I have to kind of work by myself. But even today, you know, I work almost by myself for the majority of the time. So I've developed a talent to be able to set up and also entertain the client or entertain the talent. So I could talk to somebody. It's like, hey, how's your day going? And I'm over here fiddling with the camera and getting it set up and then moving over here to get a light set up. And this is actually a great time to be like, hey, um, I'm almost done setting up here. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat there? And what this does, having them sit where they're going to sit, it acclimates them to all the lights and the cameras and all the moving parts and all that kind of stuff. And, and you're already engaged in a conversation with them. So this just kind of brings that comfort level and that tension down with all the gear that you have set up. Just talk to them, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, what's what's going on here? If you want to run through the questions with them as well, kind of where we're going to be going with the story, that's also a, a, a great way to do things as well. It's like, hey, here are the questions we're going to do. Why don't you take a look at these? Or I can just read these to you. And then if you have any adjustments or you want to bring up anything or if you have any suggestions, I'm, I'm all ears. Um, and that way it, it prepares them <clears throat> to what where we're going to be going. So they're not, you know, when you ask a question for the first time cold, you know, it's like, hey, so what happened at this point in your life? And like, uh, where do I start? Um, I don't know how to tell the story because they weren't prepared <laughs> for that maybe particular question. So that that's one way to kind of get them more comfortable. Also set up early. A lot of the times that I set up, they always show up early, earlier than they're supposed to. <laughs> and, you know, if you need to provide room for yourself, let's say you forgot a cable or, you know, something is, you know, didn't go as planned, you have to deal with that. So having, having a little bit more leeway of time will, will allow you for that because they usually show up early and you're still setting up. So show up early, get set up early, and that way you're not stressing out about it. So when it comes to audio, give me some tips on maybe how to set your levels. Do you have any tips and tricks on, on that? So, yeah. So I'll usually have somebody sit down in a chair, you know, especially if I'm still setting up. Uh, I'll just have them sit in the chair and everybody has different. Um, some people talk quiet. Some people talk very loud. Um, 
And to get that level set properly, most video people or sound people want to be like, hey, can I get a, a check? And you just say, check, check, one, two, three. And the problem with that is for a lot of people that are not familiar with being on, in front of camera, their confidence is going to go way down because they don't know what they're doing. So they're going to be like, check, check, one, two. I don't know what I'm doing. Check, check, one, two. Is that good? So, but a lot of people don't realize is that voice that they're using the check, check one, two, that's not their real talking voice. So what I do, I have them sit down and I won't even tell them that I'm checking levels. So I'm like, I'll, so I'll be behind the camera. You know, if I have my boom mic plugged in or whatever, I'll, I'll be, I won't even tell them checking levels. I'm like, Hey, um, the one I like to use. Um, and for this purpose, I'd like to use, what did you have for breakfast? Because a lot of shoots are in the middle of the day or towards, you know, after hours, if we, because a lot of people work, if you're using somebody from the, from the congregation, they'll usually shoot after work, you know, when they get off work. So it's, it's probably towards five o'clock at this point. So by allowing them to go back in time to all the way to breakfast time, they, they forget all the cameras and the lights and then they'll remember. And it's just like, oh yeah, I had a pop tart with some mayonnaise on it and it was amazing. And this, this was awesome. And, and that's, their real talking voice because they remember their real talking voice comes out and I can just check their levels. I'm like, well, what do you like about pop tarts? They're like, Oh, you don't like pop tarts, man. So now all of a sudden they're excited about what, you know, because they're talking about their breakfast, which nobody ever asked, would you have a breakfast? So that gets their normal talking voice out. And you could use that to set the levels with. With talking head pieces. Do you use a teleprompter? Do you use a, a do they memorize a script? What are pros and cons of that? Um, approach? So if talking head videos, again, if we're doing a testimonial, there's really no script involved. There's an outline that we stick to and we'll ask questions in between, you know, it's like, you know, let's go to the next question. This is the next question. Um, for me, I use a teleprompter. I think I'm pretty good at speaking with a teleprompter because I, I know where to put inflection points and um, pacing and all that kind of stuff where it's a little bit more natural and conversational. Some people might notice, um, but it's efficient with scripting. Um, if you can memorize the script, awesome, because it comes off very conversational, a little more candid um, and a little bit more organic. So uh, I guess there's, I'm, I'm okay with either one. You know, my, as I'm getting older, my memory isn't as good as it used to be. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but either is fine. You know, it just depends on what the person's comfortable with. You know, if it's somebody talking about their business or their church, they probably won't need much of a script. Um, if it's, uh, you know, somebody from the congregation, then maybe a script or a teleprompter would be useful, but I find a teleprompter with somebody that's unfamiliar um, with the teleprompter is going to sound like a robot. You know, if you get somebody that's reading off a teleprompter for the first or second time, they're going to be like, hello there church. My name is Sally. Welcome. Uh, you we're glad you're here today and we're going to have fun. Let's praise together. You know, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to sound organic or smooth. It's just going to sound like a robot. So I would usually push for a script um, on that one. And, you know, we can cut if need be. What about props? Uh, do you find props on talking head pieces, especially valuable, distracting? Uh, it depends what it is. Um, the church I go to, White Flag Church in St. Louis here, our pastor did this Easter um, video where we did a, a several interviews, kind of interviews. It was really a question kind of thing. And our pastor brought out this crown of thorns um, as a prop, so to speak. And he placed it in front of everybody and they had them hold it. And like, what do you think of this? What first comes to mind? That video was so impactful that people were was holding this crown of thorns. I mean, there was tears, there was trembling, there was disbelief there was goosebumps a prop like that is monumental 
Um, and that helped really drive the story where, you know, where we needed it to go and where we were trying to get it to go. Um, and it worked very well. Um, other props, you know, I've done videos where I've had snowballs thrown in my face um, and I was catching, um, you know, rolls of, of um, wrapping paper for presents and, you know, fruitcakes and all that kind of stuff. If you want to go for a more fun video and the talent can handle that, trying to deliver a line and having a you know, snowball thrown in your face at the same time and still having to deliver that line, then that's great. Now, if you're if you're doing something a little different, if there's props in the background, then, you know, that's fine, too. But it just really depends. I mean, it depends where your props are going to be and how much value they have on the on the content or the message you're trying to get out. Yeah, good. How do you select your talent? How do you how do you find people that are good on screen? I just go out to the lobby at our church and just point my finger somewhere. And that'll usually <laughs> no, uh, Yeah. Yeah. When's, when's going that way? That guy looks yeah. cool. You know, yeah. he's wearing a jean jacket. Let, let's, let's use him. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually with the whole, um, I know a lot of churches, they want somebody that's, you know, that looks trendy or something like that, or that might have a certain look to them. I try not to base talent off of looks or like, Hey, we need a black guy that, you know, wears, you know, skinny jeans and that looks hip or whatever. You know, I, I don't, I, pr pr tr I try stop, not to get into that. Stop, realm. stop talking about yourself. I just ordered a pair on Amazon. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not going to get to skinny jeans. It's a whole different thing. Um, so I try not to be based off of looks or bias off of looks or anything, or like a certain, you know, aesthetic or whatever. Um, it's usually somebody that has great energy or that's very yeah. charismatic that can tell a story. Well, that's just naturally wanting to smile that just exudes that energy and, and excitement towards stuff. Um, you know, some people, you know, they might have that energy, but they might be terrified on camera, you know, and we might have to push them a little bit, you know, because, you know, they, they, they do a great job with, you know, projecting and they have a great character. So we'll just have to develop that on camera personality. And they're usually willing. Um, just got to kind of coach them a little bit on that. But how do you, you feel know. about this? So say my pastor or pastors are not good on camera. They just don't deliver well. Uh, how important is it to try to make them better on camera, coach them up, or is it better that someone else deliver that content that is excellent on camera? Is it yeah. personality better or to know their, yeah. their face or what do you think? Well, personalities and with pastors, they, they have a bit of a personality, a different personality. They're, they're more visionaries. They're very driven. Um, they're used to doing a lot of stuff on their own. So they kind of have that mentality uh, kind of baked in and it's like, I'm going to do this, but, they're not doing a good job. So trying to trying to combat those kind of personalities, those visionary personalities can be difficult, but they are still people, <laughs> you know? So if they're not doing a good job, you know, it's my job to be like, Hey, that wasn't good. You know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and let's do 15 takes of the same terrible, you know, run after run, you know, we're, we're not going to get you there. If I'm like, yeah, that was great. I'm sitting here like, how am I going to edit this together? Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> this is going to be a mess. You know, so just being honest, um, you know, don't tear them down. Don't, don't tear anybody down if they're not doing a good job. Use that positive reinforcement. Like, hey, you did this really, you did this really well. Um, you did this well, but you did this really weird thing with your hands. You had your finger in your nose the whole time. Like, let's maybe not do that. Or let's maybe slow down or, you know, whatever the problem may be. We, it can be worked out, but you have to point them out. And you just have to be kind of blunt with them. And, and in my experience, um, when I'm doing my job, people really do look to the person behind the camera for guidance and support. This is our realm this is our job. We, uh, the people in the room, usually two or three people in the room 
the person behind the camera would know the best because at least they're looking at the camera. They can see what's going on. So usually a lot of people are pretty receptive, whether it's a pastor or a congregational member. They're usually pretty receptive to like, hey, how was that? They're looking for input. I will give positive input and I will find something negative to say as well so we can get that little blip out of the way. It doesn't have to be anything serious. Um, but, you know, it's like, hey, you talk too fast or you messed up this word. Um, you know, you said, um, you know, you said a word funny. So let's try to do that again and let's get that word out. You keep saying congregationals, you know, something weird. So just smoothing stuff out like that um, helps, you know, but just be, be show, show some grace. <laughs> does it does it help you as an editor? Like I found when I'm shooting talking headpieces that I'm probably editing in my mind a little bit to go, mm, yeah. I'm, I need that line again. Yeah. Because I know that I'm going to have to edit here, right. here to here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do this. I do the same things. I'm editing in my head, even with people's inflection point. And I've noticed this over the years of how people inflect in their sentences, um, especially with women between men. And I'm not making this a women between men thing, but women do not end their sentences, period. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, and yeah, so I found God, like that's, that's a question mark or that's not an end of a sentence. They, and then trying to cut from like, yeah, I found God. And like, I can't cut there. That's a, that's a weird place to cut. So I always try to coach anybody that inflects upwards towards the end of a sentence. It's like, Hey, I need you to inflect downwards. I'm like, yeah. And I found God. That's how you end a sentence. Right. It's weird. And an upswing than a, than a downswing. That's a downswing is a natural end of a sentence. Um, so women do that a lot because mm. you know, they, they don't, and the sentence men, um, they don't have enough of a sentence. <laughs> they're a little, they're, you know, men are sometimes going to be been a Too few short. words. It's like, yeah, you know, my wife wanted me to come. So I came and here we are. It's like, come on, man, <laughs> give me something give me more, more than that. Give me more than that. I need, there, bro. I need more words, you know? So, you know, it's having a battle between men not talking enough, um, and women talking too much without ending the sentence can be kind of tricky in the editing. So I'm watching for those editing points and like, what can I use in that sentence? Will that work for the next cut? So I have to kind of coach people on how to inflect or I'm like, Hey, maybe fill the blanks in a little bit better. Um, yeah. Just something to watch out for on testimony videos. Uh, and we can kind of land here. So on testimony videos, do you have the moments where you know that something is gold? You're like, Oh, I'm going to end on that. That is money. Yeah, usually when moments. I usually when I start crying, <laughs> if you could if you yeah. can make me cry, this is gonna be a good video. I'm not a crier, but you know if you if I'm getting that kind of weepy feeling in my you know in my eyes, then yeah. Um, and it's just if the person's excitement is is on point and they're like, yeah, so this church has really changed my life, and I can't wait for Sunday again. Like, yes, that's it, and that that was totally oh. unrehearsed. unrehearsed. I'm like, that's great. We can edit here, and usually after that, I know that we got everything. So when we just start talking. You know, we're just having a conversation at that point because, yeah. you know, they're so comfortable. They're saying the right things. You know, they're, you know, they're excited. They're, you know, they're just in, they're in the zone. And usually after that, we'll probably do like another 15 minutes of just talking after that. Because, you know, their, their stories are interesting. And we'll just, we'll just as camera people or interviewers, we'll ask follow questions with questions and it'll just turn into a conversation. I was like, yeah, I, I did the same thing when I got baptized. You know, I was nervous, you know, I almost drowned in the water, you know, so we're just laughing at that point. And that's where... I know when the interview is good, when we're just talking at that point, you know, because we got so much great content and there's still more to you yeah. know, extract from them. But I, I like to keep the camera rolling. Yeah. Um, when they come in and when they leave, like mm -hmm. keep it rolling because yep. one, you might be able to use them walking in and right. walking out. That might be something cool to use. 
or you might find a piece in there that I'm not saying that they thought that you weren't, well, maybe they thought that you would stop recording, but, right. uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a, uh, an unscripted moment that would be a, a, a good nugget for you to use. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, give us one last encouragement. Uh, talk to the people who are shooting uh, testimony and talking head videos, maybe a last encouragement of the day. Um, I guess the last encouragement I would have is that nobody dies in this business. So if you mess something up <laughs> at the end of the day, everybody will just, you know, everybody will be fine and survive. So don't be too hard on yourself. If you dropped a camera or you had a bad take or a bad day, the best attitude to take from that is you should always be learning and always taking away a lesson from each thing you do. I'm still learning towards this, you know, to this day, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't experienced to this day. Um, that I have to take away as lessons or things to watch out for in the future. So you, you have to be willing to learn. You got to be willing to take this as a life lesson because that's life. You know, there's a lot of variables in video production and, you know, things could go wrong. Um, I, I pray that they don't, but they, they will go wrong occasionally. Um, they'll come out of nowhere. Maybe your camera battery just, just malfunctioned and died. You know, it's stuff you have to deal with. You got to have spare spare parts. I always have a ton of batteries on hand because I've learned that, you know, batteries die or you didn't charge something the night before because you forgot because you're doing everything else, trying to script and prepare. So just be prepared, you know, willing, the willingness to learn a lesson in life in general <laughs> is a good attitude to take. Um, and you'll grow. You might not see the growth immediately. I've been doing this for 13 years and I'm still growing. Um, you know, you're, you're going to grow and you're, you're not going to see that growth right away, but you're going to learn and you're going to be applying those lessons that you learned in the video editing section and production or, you know, on set production. You're not going to realize it, that you're doing these things that you've learned in the past. You know, so there is growth there. So pay attention to the growth. Even if it's just the little things, take the little wins as wins, take the big wins as wins um, and try to focus on the positive. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for this insight today and your encouragement and all you do at 1230. And man, you're a great friend and, and uh, love having you around. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate Likewise. the time. Thank you. Hey, guys, we are really excited about the launch of our new kids brand called 1230 Kids. It is a full website dedicated straight at children's pastors and leaders. We want to help you make Sunday happen in your kids' worship every weekend. We're providing an incredible ready-made media library packed with mini-movies, games, countdowns, motion backgrounds, song videos with hand motions, editable graphics, and more. We're also providing custom media for kids' ministries and organizations. Did you know that we create custom graphics and video from multiple kids' ministries like Awana, Answers in Genesis, Seeds Family Worship, Doorpost Songs, Go Curriculum, Yancey, and more. We absolutely love serving the church through kids' ministries and organizations, and we would love to serve the kids' ministry at your church as well. You can tell your kids' pastor about us. We would really appreciate that. And you can check out 1230kids.com. That's 1230kids.com. 1230kids.com.
Hey guys, today I welcome back Alex Kendrick. You know him from his films Fireproof, Courageous, War Room, Overcomer. His brand new documentary, Show Me the Father, opens in theaters September the 10th. Alex, welcome back, man. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be with you. Yeah, man. So, all right, not only one movie, but uh, two movies coming out this fall, right? Tell me about them. Two movies. So, Show Me the Father, our first documentary, but it plays like a feature film, comes out September the 10th all over North America and in a few other countries. Show Me the Father is uh, is five stories, and all of them will blow your mind. They are all true stories on father connections, some with good fathers, some with bad fathers, a couple of fathers were never there, um, and how they ended up viewing God as Heavenly Father. There are some twists in this film that are going to blow your mind, and the, the, the reason they're in this feature film they um, they're just jaw dropping. And ultimately, I think it's going to be so inspirational about the role of father. All of us have a fatherhood story. Yeah. And I think by the end of this movie that you're going to find some hope, inspiration, maybe a little bit of healing in your heart. And we point to God as heavenly father and uh, and how we connect those dots, especially if uh, we're struggling with our dad. Now, this is more of a documentary style. Uh, why did you guys how did that come about for you? Why did you choose a documentary? to tell these five stories, each of them last about, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the movie each. And, um, to just let the people do the talking show, you know, all the footage, the B roll and everything. It worked best as a documentary film. Yeah. And, uh, and again, uh, the audiences that we've screened it for, uh, there are audible gasps <laughs> throughout the film. And I love that because, um, there, these are some of the strongest father stories we have ever heard. We had to put it in this form. But again, it doesn't feel like a documentary. You're watching it and you're just riveted by it. So we we love the way it turned out. We love the response we're already getting. And so, again, Show Me the Father, September 10th in theaters all over North America. Our website, showmethefathermovie.com. You can find theaters near you and watch the trailer. And uh, we hope people love it. Did you guys have any uh, delays or pushback because of the pandemic or um, was it actually better doing a interview testimonial kind of style because of that? Or how did that work out for you? You know, we were already working on this when uh, COVID happened. And so since a documentary doesn't need an 85 member crew right. um, and then all these different, you know, sets and locations, we went to where the people were, interviewed them one at a time. So it was um, achievable that way and still just as powerful hearing their um, stories from the heart. And so we were grateful. We feel like the Lord uh, put all that together for us where we, you know, you just need five or six people in a crew. So we did all the protocols and checked for temperature and masks and everything when we shot it. But it came together so well. And then we shot uh, a new ending to Courageous. Yeah. Also with a small crew, but we love these new scenes that we've added to Courageous, especially the ending. We're releasing it two weeks later. It's called Courageous Legacy, also in a thousand theaters. And it's also a fatherhood focus, as you know, but we made this movie so much better. Re-edited it, recolored it, added new effects, new shots, and a brand new ending with uh, that happens 10 years later. You get to see all these characters age 10 years and find out what happened to them a decade later. So great fun to put that together. So show me the father, September 10th, then courageous legacy, September 24th. You can go to courageous, to uh, find out more information about that one. So I talked with Steven a few months ago and you guys really put an expression of your dad 
in all your movies. Uh, I, I have done that. Tell, tell me how that's been intentional, how you guys do, have done that, and then how you came to this. There is a special place in our heart for fathers. Um, you know, of course, we not just fathers, but that that just has a tender place in our heart. Our our father overcame so much multiple sclerosis. He did not have a good father himself for most of his upbringing. Uh, his dad was seven feet tall, alcoholic, absent m- most of the time, didn't know really how to, how to affirm him or love him. So when my dad grew up, he became a Christian and said, I don't want all these things to follow me. Fear, insecurity, low self-esteem, alcoholism, you know, and infidelity, all those things. He gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And so when he got married and had the three of us, I'm the middle of the three sons, uh, we didn't grow up seeing all that stuff. We grew up with a dad that was striving to love us. And then for him to get multiple sclerosis on top of that. And at first I questioned God, why are you allowing this to happen? You know what? He's, he's honoring you. Why are you doing this? The ministry my dad had was multiplied many times over because he had MS. So many people came to him and said, if you can honor God and from a wheelchair, if you can build a Christian school from a wheelchair, I feel like I can do so much more for the Lord. And I saw what we see as a detriment and as something terrible, God used to amplify, magnify the impact my dad had. And so I see how God uses sometimes the hurdles we face in life for his glory. And uh, so he's been an amazing father. And part of his story is in this movie as well. And you guys, I, I know there was uh, one of the films, I don't recall, where there was a father figure in a wheelchair or uh, things like that. So uh, you guys have really represented your your dad well uh, in, in those films. And, and not not only just the, the physical, but the spiritual as well, obviously, and and uh, that impact that, that he's made on you guys. Um, all right. So speaking of fatherhood, why fatherhood? So you, you guys really deal with themes you know, marriage and prayer and identity. Why, why fatherhood? Why, why continue to push this theme? You and I often will look at God and think of him as God, and we should. In those terms, we should more often think of him as our heavenly father. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, you pray uh, to our heavenly father, you know, hallowed be your name. And, uh, and we too often say, God, 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 God. When scripture says over and over, Jesus says over and over, your father knows what you need. Your father sees you. Your father will take care of you. Father means chief, source, provider, protector. And that's what God does for us. So he's not only God sitting on the throne. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to just be distant way out there. He wants to be intimate in our hearts. And so we made this film. We talk about what an earthly father should be, how to forgive a dad who wasn't that, and then how to connect with a heavenly father that is perfect. And so Jesus said, when you think of the father, you can look to me. If you've seen me, you've seen the father, all of the attributes you see in me, this love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, this compassion, and sometimes sternness. Yes, when he's when he's dealing with hypocrisy or whatever, but all of his good attributes are found in the heavenly father. And so uh, this movie even broadened my perspective in the way I view God, not just as God, but as my heavenly father. So you, you mentioned some of the stories a little bit, but who did you guys interview? Who do you want to give yeah. away? We got Tony Evans. We got Tony Evans, who's amazing in this film. We have Sherman Smith, NFL quarterback, and uh, not just quarterback, he's also a running back. Uh, we have Dylan McCullough, who was just on the um, uh, the the uh, uh, 
St. Louis, I think, when they won their last Super Bowl. Um, and then who else we have? We have Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. He has a riveting father story. And then we have my brother who Steven, yeah. adopted his, yeah, when we adopted his daughter from China and the parallels there, that way God adopts us. And there are some twists in there that are just unbelievable. It's just mind-blowing. Um, who else do we have? We have uh, some other uh, professional athletes that pop up here and there with with thoughts. But I think when you see this movie, it's not just for men either, because everybody has a father story. I think you're going to relate to one or more of these stories. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Priscilla uh, a few months ago at a conference and just uh, how excited she is about uh, sharing Tony's story and, uh, and and Stephen the same way. I think people are going to be uh, are, are going to love it. All right. You mentioned Courageous a little bit. Uh, let's get back into that one. So that's two weeks later. So this is kind of back to back for you guys. Um, so re, you mentioned this re-release, recolor, remastered. It's going to look great. Uh, how'd you get the band back together? Kevin Downs and, and the, and the crew back together to, to film some more. Yep. So Ben Davies, uh, TC Stallings, uh, Ken Bevel, Kevin Downs, um, uh, Robert Amaya, who plays Javier. He's the snake Kings. That's one of the favorite scenes. And there's a callback that we got, we shot a new scene with that, that I'm very, very excited about. So your favorite aspects of the original version are all still there. And then we re-edited it. We added drone shots. You know, we added some new stuff we couldn't do 10 years ago. And it, we also are releasing it in its full resolution. Back then, a lot of theaters just needed 1080p or 2K. So we went back to the original 4K footage and remastered it, recolored it, did new sound, new score. And so I'm just so excited. When we sit down and watch it now, it, it's such a better looking movie. And then to have these new scenes, you know, I've never seen a film where the where the actors literally age 10 years over the course of the film. I'm not talking about makeup and CGI. I'm talking about literally age 10 years. When you watch this by the end of the film, it'll jump 10 years. You get to see where everybody is now. And we add to the story. It's a very satisfying conclusion too. And um, so again, it just turned out so much better. If you, if you want to see any version of Courageous, see this version. Well, I bet as a director and editor too, you're like, man, I can dive back in and fix yeah. what I, <laughs> uh, that shot could be better and, and yeah. uh, get a chance to, to make it great. Uh, what are some of the impact stories that you guys have seen over the years of, of Courageous? It's been 10 years now. Man, uh, not a week goes by that we don't get stories from somewhere around the world of fathers saying, when I saw this film, it gave me a clear picture of the standards I should have for my family. A lot of men saying that I made my kids uh, the priority over my hobbies, you know, hunting or some sports or whatever. I'm spending more intentional time with my kids. Uh, a lot of men that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There were over a thousand officers that watched it together in Panama when it was over. They committed to the Lord and to their families wow. to be the kind of men that they're supposed to be honorable on the job, honorable at home as well. I mean, I, it just goes on and on and on. Um, we've had people that have lost a child call us and say this movie helped heal us watching Courageous. And um, it's just amazing what the Lord's done, more than we could have ever asked or imagined. And I, I can't wait to see what he does with this new version as well. Absolutely. Uh, all right, last question for you. You're talking to pastors, church leaders, tech guys, worship leaders, and you were a church media guy yeah. yourself on staff. Uh, tell us, how can we help support you guys? How can we obviously take our volunteers and stuff like that, but what are some maybe some assets? Or You mentioned the website a little bit, but yeah. tell us how we, the best ways that we can support you. 
So for both of them, show me the father And then for courageous, the movie.com, we have resources on those pages. Now the resources are only there. If someone wants to say, I want to understand more, I want to go deeper. I want to, uh, to, to take these resources so we can do small group Bible studies, whatever you need. Um, so they're not there just as products. They're there to use as tools, outreach, and so you, these movies are both good for families, for uh, small groups, for churches to go. And then later, three months later, you can even um, rent them and show them in your churches and invite the community. But we, we first encourage you to see them on the big screen in a theater. The reason is the more we put out these movies and that they do well, the more it says to Hollywood, these are the kind of things that we want to see, not just entertainment, something with redemption, transformation, something that's inspirational, that when we leave the theater, we're better than when we walked in. And so that's what's important to us. We want everyone to have a closer walk with God. Uh, as a result of these uh, projects. And so you can go to CourageousTheMovie.com, see the trailer, uh, find a theater near you and look at the resources available to you. And then of course, show me the, uh, show me the father movie.com as well for show me the father documentary. Awesome. Anything coming out next year? I mean, you got two big ones coming out in the fall. So, uh, but I know that you're thinking about the future. Anything you want to spill the beans on yet? Yeah, I will spill the beans on just saying we've already shot the next feature film that'll be in theaters next year. And we're editing that right now. Very excited about it. It's a true story. It's riveting. And I can't wait for that to come out. That's all I'll say for the moment. But uh, yeah, it's already shot. So we're editing it and uh, hopefully it'll come out soon next year. Awesome. All right. Again, guys, Show Me the Father is in theater September 10th. Courageous Legacy will be in theaters a couple weeks later, September 24th. Alex, always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. Good to talk to you. God bless you. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out this week. Next week on the show, we will start a three-part series sharing interviews that we did this summer at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And the NRB is the largest gathering of Christian communicators in the world spanning church media, radio, TV, print, podcasting, book publishers, and more. I've had the privilege of serving on the convention team since 2004, putting on that event. And it's always great fun to see and meet people in the industry through the NRB. And over the next few weeks, you'll, you'll be hearing from Dan Crystal from Thrive, the CEO of Faith Life, Bob Pritchett, Stephen Kendrick, Clint Lewis and Tia Bowen from Gateway Church in Dallas, also author and pastor Mark DeMaz, and international worship leader Joshua Aaron from Israel. That's all coming up in the next few weeks on the podcast. If you like today's episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it if you would. We would really appreciate that. And remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel for all the latest content and resources. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.